Well, then, we're in Romans and we're, we've reached chapter 11. And uh, we looked at the first five verses last Sunday evening together. And now we're going to look at verse 6. And if there were a title for tonight's sermon, it would simply be this. Do I really understand grace? Because it's grace that governs and helps us understand everything that God has done in the past and all that he will do in the future. In a real way, um, Romans 11 and verse 6 is a summary of all that's gone before in these chapters uh, about the nation of Israel, chapters 9, 10, and now into chapter 11. And it's looking ahead to what uh, he will do in the future for the nation of Israel. It's all of grace. And when he works in your life and mine, uh, we who are among the Gentiles, it is all explained by grace. We saw last week that God certainly uh, has not rejected his people, Israel. He's speaking about the nation of Israel and addressing their uh, unbelief. And he's saying, uh, has God rejected his ancient people? By no means, certainly not. Although they have rejected him, he has not rejected them. And Paul brings out himself as an example. Uh, and then he goes to the Old Testament and uh, speaks about the remnant in the time of Elijah and the 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal. Elijah felt he was the only one left. But no, says God, I've reserved 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so he draws out the conclusion, verse 5. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant of uh, national uh, Israelites, uh, Jews, there is a remnant chosen by grace. There is a remnant chosen by grace. Uh, a number have been saved. How have they been saved? Were they better than the rest? Did God look and approve of them in particular, this remnant? Uh, was it because they had faith and others didn't have faith? No, we've been told it is by Grace, verse 5, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. Thinking back to those 7,000 in the time of Elijah, uh, how come they were still faithful to God? They were Jews. Now, some Jews might be tempted to say, oh, well, yes, there you go, you see. There are always some, there are always some uh, who are good Jews are oh, they were better than the rest they were good Jews no says God no they weren't there those 7,000 because they were better than the rest they were sinful like the rest why were they chosen uh, verse 4 I have kept for myself says God 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal I have kept for myself so this remnant of Jews in uh, 60 AD, uh, how come they are there? Well, they're saved by grace. They are there by grace. It is the grace of God. So too at the present time, and Paul is speaking around 60 AD, writing around 60 AD, there is a remnant chosen by grace. So Paul is emphasizing grace. In that case, the verse we're looking at tonight, verse 6, seems a little superfluous. Here it is. But if it is by grace, 
it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. If it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. It seems to be a superfluous, almost a redundant statement. He's emphasized grace already throughout this section, verses 1 through to 5, when he's thinking about Israel in his own case, in the case of the 7,000 and uh, the remnant who are around in 60 AD. It's a remnant according to grace, chosen by grace. And then we have verse 6 that just adds upon adds upon adds to this great truth, grace. Grace, it is a charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Grace, I think perhaps the most misunderstood of God's kindnesses towards us. The Greek word charis means gift, gift. And a gift is something you receive you don't pay for it you don't earn it otherwise it's a wage but it's uh, we have this charis this grace which means gift and grace often goes together with mercy grace and mercy be multiplied towards you there is a distinction between the two and it would be something like this mercy is wonderful And mercy means we do not get what we deserve. Let me take Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It's hard not to move and keep myself still. There might be a little bit of moving in and out and side to side, but um, it's difficult not to get excited. Listen to this uh, statement, Romans 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's think about God's mercy. God's mercy is not giving us what we deserve. And what we deserve is our wages. And our wages that we earn uh, is death. The wages of sin is death. But what we receive is an acquittal. In his mercy, God forgives and remembers our sin no more. That That is mercy. And mercy is a most wonderful attribute of God. And if we have received mercy, we ought to show mercy to others. Uh, There's a wonderful um, piece of uh, poetry by Frederick Faber. And I've got a part of the the poem here. It's speaking about the mercy of God, which is truly remarkable. But grace goes above mercy. But let's think about the mercy. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's the kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There's a welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in his blood. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measure of the mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. If our love were but more simple, we should rest upon God's word, and our lives would be illumined by the presence 
of our Lord. There's a wideness in God's mercy that is wider than the sea. The mercy of God, where God doesn't give us what we deserve. We are earning wages. Give me what I deserve. If I got what I deserve from God, it would be death. But God says, I don't want to give you that. And this is his mercy. We are forgiven. We are acquitted. God's grace. What is God's grace? God's grace means we don't only not get what we deserve, but we do receive what we don't reserve. Uh, grace is very positive, getting what I don't deserve. So the first half of Romans 6.23 refers to his mercy. The wages of sin is death. I don't want to give you that. But here's his grace. The gift, the gift of God is eternal life. God gives me what I don't deserve. He doesn't leave me neutral. He doesn't leave me naked. He doesn't just wipe the slate clean, but he gives me eternal life. He gives me, he puts on my account a great credit, righteousness. He gives me the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, to my account. So I was in great debt. His mercy means he cancels the debt. And now his grace comes in and gives me a great credit to my account. Righteousness, not self-righteousness. That would be works. But Christ's righteousness fills my account. It is equal to the righteousness of Christ. And it's given to me as a gift. This is grace. This is Caris, this is amazing grace. It's what I don't deserve. He gives me sonship. The judge acquits me. He comes down from the dock. He pays the penalty. Then he says, I will take you into my family and I will make you a son. But not only that, I will make you an heir. You will inherit. Uh, not only that, but you're going to be a joint heir with my son, Jesus Christ. On what basis? On what basis? Grace alone. Grace alone. Do I really understand grace? If I'm a Christian tonight, on what basis am I a Christian? It's all down to grace. In eternity past, God's eternal plan, where he foreknew me, Remember this wonderful word, the foreknowledge of God, uh, his progenosco, where he knew me from eternity with an eternal love. Uh, he loves me from eternity past, and he chooses me to be part of his family. And uh, John, the apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit, 1 John 3 and verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us uh, behold, says one version, what, what manner of love is this that we should be called the sons of God? Uh, one version puts it this way, and one commentator goes into it this way. From which country does such love come from? Well, no country on planet Earth. Uh, this is truly uh, an invasion from heaven. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And so we are. What manner of love is this grace do i really understand grace now 
The point that Paul is making here in Romans 11 and verse 6 is this. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot mix grace with works. Uh, One destroys the other. It's either grace or it's works. It's either by grace you're saved or it's by works that you're saved. The two cannot mix. And here it is again, Romans 11 and verse 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Grace is all of God. Grace is a total gift. I make no contribution. Grace and works cannot coexist. I was thinking about um, in the realms of, of physics uh, we live in a physical universe and it's there's something called matter all around about us. I have a physical uh, body, but there is um, something called antimatter. And there are very tiny, minuscule, uh, fantastically small amounts of antimatter that are produced by these uh, atomic colliders. The Large Hadron Collider produces antimatter. And if antimatter and matter meet They cannot coexist. Uh, They annihilate one another. There is a a conversion of matter into pure energy. Um, If one kilogram of antimatter were to hit planet Earth, there would be an annihilation of one kilogram of the matter, the positive matter of planet Earth, and it would release pure energy. And uh, I'm told, and I read an article Uh, The energy release from just one kilogram of antimatter hitting one kilogram of matter will be 10 million times more powerful than an atomic bomb. An antimatter bomb will be the ultimate bomb, but you could never hold the matter uh, together with the antimatter. Now, in the same way, grace and works cannot coexist. And what the Bible is very plain about is that my salvation is all of grace. So it's not my family background. And a Jew would have boasted his lineage back to Abraham. That's not it. Remember, Abraham had two sons, but it was through the son of promise, Isaac. Uh, And it's not um, anything that we have done. Remember, Jacob has, uh, Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau, but before they were born, before they'd done anything either good or bad, uh, God declared, Jacob I love, Esau I hate. God had set this eternal progenosco, this foreknowledge on Jacob and not on Esau. Why? Because of grace, purely because of grace. It's not our morality. It's not our law keeping. It's not physical works. It's not what these hands have done. No, it's all of grace. Salvation is all of grace. Do I really understand grace? John Newton, being saved from uh, being a, a vile slave trader, Uh, wrote this hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. If I can hold a flag for myself, I must think I was pretty good somewhere. Uh, I've made a contribution. Uh, God has looked at me and thought, there's something worth investing in here. Not at all. 
We're all vile wretches. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. When you follow the ways of this world and the prince of the power of the air, we weren't sick, we were dead. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed? Is it still precious all those years later? Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. We can sing it. Do we understand it? The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Grace, grace, grace. There's another hymn here. We don't often sing this one. It can go to the tune of an Ilkley Moor Bartat, but I never sung it to that. Grace, tis a charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Heaven with the echo shall resound and all the earth shall hear. Grace first contrived a way to save rebellious man and all the steps that grace display, which drew the wondrous plan. Grace first inscribed my name in God's eternal book before the foundations of the world. T'was grace that gave me to the Lamb who all my sorrows took. Grace turned my wandering feet to tread the heavenly road and new supplies each hour I meet while pressing on to God. Grace taught my soul to pray and made my eyes o'erflow. T'was grace that kept me to this day and will not let me go. Once saved, always saved, because it's grace, God's grace, no contribution from me or it would fail. Grace, all the work shall crown through everlasting days. It lays in heaven the topmost stone and well deserves the praise. Well written, Philip Doddridge, by the grace of God, uh, he wrote that glorious hymn. It's all of grace. Now, the Apostle Paul can never speak of grace enough because he knows where he came from. He was Saul of Tarsus. And he has to smack himself at times around the chops and think, how come I'm Paul, the, apo the apostle? Uh, he is ashamed of his past. He persecuted the church. He, put, he gave approval when people were put to death. He was on his way to Damascus to have Christians rounded up there when Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's something special and good in Paul. No, grace, grace. God intervened on the road to do his worst Jesus intervenes at that stage. Paul can never speak enough about grace, so he adds what we have as verse 6 here. He wants to emphasize that salvation is all of grace. Grace, charis, the Greek word, it's used 128 times in the New Testament. 81 of those are from the pen inspired by the spirit of the apostle Paul. He loves this word. Here's a few examples. I won't give the references. You can look them up as homework in the week. Here's a few examples of Paul's use of this word grace. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. 
the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. I thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from the way of grace. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace in which he freely he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead, in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, in order that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, even though I am less than all the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. God saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Lord and Savior. Now, there's a few of the 81 times that Paul uses grace. He cannot use it enough. Grace and works cannot coexist. 
if there's a smidge of works, it is no longer grace. And I wouldn't dare to stand before God waving a little flag of my own. No, it's all of grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Away with the thought of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Do I really understand grace? I did nothing to earn my salvation. I can do nothing to keep my salvation. That gives a wonderful security, but not a license. If I really understood it, it moves me to serve him, not to merit salvation, but from a grateful heart and life. Nothing I do contributes towards my salvation. Also, nothing I think. Here is um, a common error. Not even, certainly, no, not even my faith. There are some who would put it this way, that foreknowledge works in this way. Try and get around God choosing and God's um, power in election and uh, his mercy and grace. They get around it in this way by saying God's foreknowledge means this. It's a tragic error. It's a travesty. God's foreknowledge is that in eternity past, God knows the future. And he looks ahead and he sees a, a group of people. Now, on one level, it could be put this way, a group of people who would perform particularly well. Their, their works merit God bestowing salvation on them. So from eternity past, because he foresaw what they would do, he chooses them. He chooses them. If that's the case, the choice is based on works. It is not grace. It is work. The two cannot coexist. It's either grace or works. If God foresaw I would be good and therefore gives me salvation, it is no longer works. I earned it. That's not a very common error amongst evangelicals. That would be more in, in liberal thinking. But amongst evangelicals, there is an equally um, wrong error that goes something like this. Well, okay, it's not what we did, but in eternity past, uh, God foresaw the fall and uh, also God foresaw uh, the coming of Christ. He plans the coming of Christ and the, the gospel offer. And then he can see who will choose Jesus. From eternity past, he saw who would have faith. And seeing who would have faith, he chooses them to be part of the elect. And that is God's electing choice. If that's so, then my faith becomes a work, and I am saved because of my faith. But no, no, it's all of grace. It's not my works. It's not my faith. You see, the reality of the scripture is simply this. If we get things in the right order. I was dead, not sick, spiritually dead. Bible is very plain. There is no one who seeks God. No, not even one. God looked and he was appalled. There was no one to intercede. 
Therefore, his own arm worked salvation for him. We were dead, not ill, not sick, not neutral. Dead in our transgressions and our sins. And we reveled in it. God promised to send Jesus throughout the Old Testament times, planned in eternity before there was a creation. And in time, God sends his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives a perfect life and dies the death that we deserve. He rose again from the dead. But those great facts of history would mean nothing to me apart from that wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, who comes to me a dead sinner. And uh, when I'm entirely passive and without me giving him any invitation for who am I to invite him? Uh, he is the sovereign spirit. He regenerates me. He gives me life from the dead. It's a resurrection as in Ezekiel 37. Dead bones, dry bones, very dry, disconnected, and the spirit comes. Often under the preaching of the word, but one is affected and another one isn't. And it's the sovereign choice of God. He gives me life. And I was passive. But now I'm alive, I'm very active. And next time I hear the gospel, I find myself believing that I'm a sinner who deserves the wrath of God and that Jesus Christ lived and died to take away my sin. And I'm very active. And I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all of grace. Do I understand grace? I have no little flag to wave. There's nothing of me. In eternity, I won't be able to say I'm in heaven because of my parents, because of my church attendance, my, my baptism, not even because I believed. I did believe, but that's by the grace of God. It's a gift that he gave to me. There's no flag I can wave. It's all of the grace of God. And the grace of God is magnificent. It is unmovable, unstoppable, irresistible, and unchangeable. God cannot love you any less ever. He set his love on you for eternity past. You've realized that love in time because of the work of his spirit, and it will land you safely in eternity. God cannot love you less ever because it's all of his grace. But you can, and you must, and I must, grow stronger in our relationship with God. My children are never any less my children. That's a legal state status. It's a biological status. They are my children, but we can grow stronger or weaker in our relationship. So it is with God. It's our relationship that we need to strengthen, but the reality of the bond, nothing can ever sever it because it's all of the grace of God. You can never lose your faith. Why? Well, because it's not yours. Uh, someone once said, oh, uh, I lost my faith. And that person was questioned. Was it your faith? Yes, it was my faith. Then that's why you lost it. Human faith can be lost. If you are a Christian on the basis of probabilities, well, it's quite probable that somebody lived 2,000 years ago uh, who was called Jesus Christ, and it's quite likely that he rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, therefore, uh, he must be the son of God. And it's all based on probabilities and uh, likelihoods and historical evidence. And those things are fine in their place. But if that's the basis of your faith, uh, 
you can lose that. You can lose that. But faith that's a gift of God, which is a result of the work of the Spirit giving you new life. No, you can never lose that because it was never your own. It is the gift of God. By grace you are saved through faith. But this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. It is life from the dead. How do I know that grace is really working in me and has worked in me and is working in me and will continue to work in me? Well, the evidence is this. Life will show itself. Life from the dead will show itself. Uh, we walk in newness of life. Is that you and is that me? Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. Prepare beforehand in Christ Jesus to do good works. We should be transformed and more and more so every day from one degree of glory into another. But the salvation is all of the grace of God. Any works I do are in humble, simple, obvious gratitude to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a remnant chosen by grace, but if it is of grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. We sing about it. We speak about it. Do we really understand it? It is all of the grace of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for this brief time uh, in your words or how the grace of God amazes me graced is a charming sound harmonious to the ear amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me help us to understand grace to preach grace to live on grace to point to grace to revel uh, in grace it is grace all of grace to the glory of god nothing for ourselves we simply rely on your remarkable grace to god be the glory we pray